0: Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, Creekwood? Happy New Year. I just want to take a quick minute to thank Pastor Stephen at the Lisa for giving me the opportunity to minister today. Uh, I believe that God's placed a word in my heart and uh, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this church. It's just incredible. The culture and the place uh, that, that, man, um, God has created at Creekwood and, and my family and I are just so thankful to be a part of this church and uh, just the incredible staff and just a shout out to uh, the whole team for uh, just the way that you work is under the lord and and the incredible church that God is working through here in Creekwood, so thank you uh so much for the way that you love me and my family and thank you, uh, Pastor Stephen, for your leadership and the way uh you uh, guide us in the truth of god's word so diligently um, so like I said, happy new year uh typically, this is my favorite time of year. I love fresh starts and new beginnings and um I would kind of just kind of have a real charge and a challenge for of a message for the year. Uh, But I think if I'm going to be honest, I'm dealing with a little bit of PTSD from 2020. Like I don't want to let my guard down. I don't want to get my hopes up because I think if 2020 taught us anything is that we uh, have no idea what the future holds. Like we are um, not sure if we're going to have just a all types of victories or defeats, uh, pain or sorrow, uh, joy or laughter. We're just, you know, that just seems like, man, there's so much uncertainty in the air. And I think the truth is that we're probably going to face both. We're going to face both joy and pain, both uh, victory and loss. And that we are going to find ourselves battling through this year both ups and downs you know pastor rick warren who wrote the book the purpose driven life he said this he said i used to think that life was hills and valleys you go through a dark time then you go to the mountaintop back and forth i don't believe that anymore rather than life being hills and valleys I believe that it's kind of like two rails on a railroad track. And at all times, you have something good and something bad in your life. No matter how good things are in your life, there's always something bad that needs to be worked on. And no matter how bad things are in your life, there's always something good you can thank God for. So I believe that's the reality of what theologians call living in the tension of the already and the not yet. See, we live in the reality of Genesis 3 taking place, the fall, but yet we also live in the truth of the gospels of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. See, we live in the tension of the middle of life that that we face both joy and suffering, both hope, and loss. We live in this middle, and I think it's in the middle that God wants us to be fully satisfied in Him, that He wants us to be totally content in Him, that He wants us to lack nothing. And so my hope and prayer for this message and this year for you is that you find yourself so rooted in Christ that you become unmovable because you are so content and satisfied in who God is in your life. I want to look at Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13 and we're going to we're going to walk through these verses and I believe that we're going to we're going to be able to see some 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 pillars of truth that will help us on this journey to finding our contentment in Christ alone. So if you have your Bibles I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter four. And as you are turning there, I want to kind of set the scene for us. See, it's 62 AD and Paul Paul is writing this letter while he's on house arrest. He's incarcerated in some small apartment probably in Rome. And he is uh, most likely shackled to a Roman soldier. He is Uh, unable to move about freely. Remember, this is a guy who's used to being on the move, going and preaching from town to town, and now he's confined to one location. Um, He's afflicted with all the difficulties that come with being a captive. The great theologian F.B. Meyer wrote that Paul was deprived of every comfort and cast as a lonely man on the shores of the great strange metropolis with every movement of his hand clanking a fetter and nothing before him but the lion's mouth or the sword. This is the situation that Paul is in as he pins the letter to the Philippians that's often referred to as the letter of joy. You know, as we look at this, Chapter, chapter four, this is really um, the whole letter is a response to the Philippians coming and meeting Paul at his point of need in this situation. And so as we look at Chapter four, he's actually uh, responding to um, the work of the Philippians church who sent a messenger by the name of Epaphroditus who brought him uh, money and supplies and things that he needed because he was totally dependent on others at this time. And so Philippians four, verses 10 through 13, it says this, it says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You know, if we go too fast, I think we'll miss um, some really powerful truths that are laid out here. And so I want to look at verse 10. It says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You, will indeed, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now here's the situation. Paul planted this church 10 years ago. It had been 10 years since, since the Philippians had sent any aid to Paul. It had been 10 years since the church had ministered to Paul. It had been 10 years since he had had any interaction with the Philippian church. And, you know, if you remember the story in Acts chapter 16, this is, this is where Paul is on his second missionary journey. And he goes down to a place of prayer and he encounters Lydia, the, the seller of purple goods, and she becomes the first convert in Philippi. And as Paul's in there planting this church with the help of Silas and he's ministering to the people, he continues to go down to the place of prayer to share the good news of the gospel. And as he's going down, there's a there's a young slave girl who's 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 demon-possessed. And this demonic spirit gives her the ability to tell the future. And as she's going down, as, as Paul and Silas continue to go down to minister, it says that daily she would cry out and say that these men were sent from the Most High God to tell the way of life. Paul becoming uh, just so annoyed, the Bible says, by her that he cast the demon out of her. Now, the, the young slave girl owners become uh, enraged that Paul has now messed up their bread and butter. That they can no longer sell her services, so they drag him to the magistrate in the city, and then the magistrate beat Paul and Silas with wooden uh, poles, and it says they strip them down and they throw them in jail and Here's Paul and Silas. In the jail cell, and it says that the twelfth hour that they begin, that they are that they are praying and they are worshiping the Lord. And as they're praying and worshiping the Lord, God sends an earthquake and it and it opens up all the doors of the jail. And the Philippian jailer, fearing that the convicts would escape, is about to kill himself. Paul stops him, ministers the gospel to him. It says that the. The jailer got saved along with his whole household. Now, move forward 10 years, and Paul finds himself in jail once again. He's not dismayed. He's not overwhelmed. He's not wondering where his help is going to come from. What I want you to see, and I want you to write down if you're taking notes, the first point is that Paul was confident in God's providence. See, he knew that God was at work on his behalf. You know, I don't know where you find yourself today. And I don't know how God is going to meet your needs. Just like Paul didn't know, like last time God met his need through an earthquake. And this time he met him through a guy by the name of Epaphroditus. But Paul was confident in the providence of God in his life. And I want you to know that you can be confident of God's providence. We see it throughout scriptures. We know that 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 God took Joseph from the pit to the palace. That God took Moses from a baby floating in the Nile River to the deliverer of his people. That when Haman was plotting to kill the Jews, that God used Esther to free them. See, Providence is not only believing that God is the one writing the world's history, it's also trusting that he is writing our story and that it's a good story. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Paul can be confident in God's providence to take care of him. You can be confident in God's providence to take care of you. God is in control of your situation. He is working all things together for your good. We continue on. We see that Paul says this. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Second point I want you to see is not only Paul confident in God's providence, but he is satisfied in God's provision. You know, we're living in a time and a culture that wants us to be dissatisfied with everything. Like, like, We are living in a world that says that you need more money, you need a bigger house, you need a nicer car, you need more vacation time, that you need to be prettier, smarter, that you should be unsatisfied with your spouse, with your kids. Everything about our culture tells you to not be content. You know, the the reality of the reality is this is rooted in a humanistic worldview, an atheistic humanistic worldview that says the chief end of man is to be to, to have his needs met. The only way to be satisfied is to have your needs met. And the way we find out what our needs are, are by what the culture tells us we need. Like I can't even get on Instagram for 10 minutes without finding out that I need something that I didn't even know that I needed. But it goes so much further than that. So it gets down into our souls. This this kind of spirit of discontentment. And Satan's so crafty. He begins to tell you that you need these things. These aren't wants, these are needs. And culture's telling you, you need to have every lustful desire of your heart fulfilled. You need to pursue that extramarital affair so that you can be sexually satisfied. You need to pursue those lustful wants, that greed for gain and more. You need to be dissatisfied with what God's given you because you should have every need of yours met. But what does Paul say? He says, not that I'm speaking of need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Let me tell you, I believe that Satan is using discontentment to come and try to destroy your life. That if he can convince you that you deserve more, that you need more, that what God's given you at this point in your life is not enough, that God's not enough for you, and he can get you chasing the riches of this world, coveting your neighbor's possessions. You know, First Timothy six six through ten says this: "But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we for we brought nothing into the world." It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Satan wants to pull you away this year. When you have a difficult time, he wants to say, Christ is not enough. When you have a good time, he wants you to say, Christ is not enough. But the truth of the gospel is that we can be satisfied in God's provision for our life. That what you have right now, where you're at, is enough. Third, we see that Paul is not ruled by external forces. It says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul's saying, look, it doesn't matter what's happening around me. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned how to have a lot and I've learned how to have a little. I mean, the reality is for most of us, like we lose our mind if Starbucks doesn't have our drink. Like we can't handle if our Amazon uh, package, our Amazon Prime is not next day available. Like we don't understand why target pickup is now not taking only a few minutes. It's now taking a few hours. Like we don't understand uh, what to do if we walk into our gym and a machine we want to use, use is being occupied. Like everything that we face in our life, like all of a sudden it's affecting us. Like we're losing our religion over these things. But Paul's saying, look, I'm not ruled by my external forces. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. And let me tell you, don't fall into the trap of thinking if you have more, somehow you'll be happy. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met are multimillionaires. See, there's this allure that somehow more will equal contentment. But the truth is, what Paul reveals to us in verse 13 is this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Some translations say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Regardless of it's through, it says, your translation says through him or through Christ, it's speaking of Christ. Paul says, I can be confident in God's providence through Christ. I can be satisfied with God's provision through Christ. I can be, I can not be ruled by external forces through Christ. A lot of times we use that scripture out of context. We think that somehow we can just slap it on a jersey and we'll win the football game. We can put it on the back of a boxer's robe and he'll knock the guy out. We, we use it out of context so often the truth of what this scripture means is that through the strength of Christ we can find our contentment in God. There's a song we sing in chapel. It's a song that says the name of the song is Jesus is Better. This is a song that was actually uh, written by a worship leader down in Austin from Austin Stone Church and want to read you these lyrics, I want to read you the chorus, and it's really kind of summarizes my heart for this message and my heart for you this year. It says this in all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. In all my victories, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. More than any comfort, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. More than all riches, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. Our souls declaring, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. Our song eternal, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. Glory, glory, we have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. As you find yourself living in the tension of the middle, I want to invite you to live in the strength of Christ who is better than anything this world has to offer. Let's pray. God, I just pray right now that you would minister to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would make our hearts believe that you are better. Lord, in all our sorrows, make our hearts believe. Lord, in all our victories, in all our poverty, in all our riches, Lord, make our hearts believe that you are better. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.